Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last-minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. All right, so I want to start off this episode first by saying congratulations to my special guest for getting her, not getting, but like completing her college bachelor's career degree. degree. Yeah, I don't Sorry, know. If it, I wouldn't say career because you're probably not done considering you might go to grad school at some yeah. point. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving that open because yeah. I just graduated yesterday. I don't want to think about it yet. Yeah, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're all so very proud of you. Thank you. Um, she graduated with her bachelor's in sociology and in English literature. literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, so we're very different in that sense. Actually, we're different, but if you really think about it, we're very similar because mm-hmm. I studied in a creative field, which was art. You did English. Yeah, mainly and then, for creative reasons, honestly. Exactly, and then, but we then we both went into the... Social behavioral sciences. Yeah, so I did political science and you did sociology. So technically, we did almost the same thing, but in different ways. Research. We both did qualitative research. Yeah, qualitative, that's my favorite. With the Yemeni community. Yep. Are you low-key we'll, trying we'll to be Yemeni, me? So that's what everyone already probably <laughs> thinks that because they're just like, oh, mini nude. And I'm just like, please don't make me <laughs> hurt myself. If I'm anything, I feel like oh, I want to be like you when I grow up. First of all, you're so popular on Twitter. I don't understand I how that happens. <laughs> Can you like send some of that my way? I feel like my page doesn't get a lot of love. I'll just promote. I'll be like, well, you know what? After this episode, I'll tell everyone, hey, go listen to this episode and that's gonna be the tweet that no one likes or retweets probably not because honestly well but hey that ramadan tweet though the the one about okay you guys ramadan is gonna happen twice in the year 2030 just it's it's really cool it's interesting but you also have to understand that the reason i didn't get it when you initially you know was bringing up the idea was because I was hungry. It was like right before we broke our fast. Oh yeah, you you were breaking your fast. I'll give you that pass, you know. But okay, that's no, why I, I literally touched it. But I was trying I... to understand if it was because it was going through a December January, like it was going between two years, but literally happening within the same thirty days. No, but no, no. Okay. I realize now that it's happening in twenty thirty. At the beginning of the year, and then again at the end of the year. So, ladies and gentlemen, 2030, save your Ramadan 2030 banners, because you can use it twice (laughs) that year. But then my my brother Hamza, he was just like, I'll just get one that says Ramadan Mubarak, and that's it. (laughs) Which is probably what all of them say. I actually doubt that they um, put some type of year on it. But yeah, that was actually a very interesting fact, and I don't think anyone's noticed that before. Yeah, because I thought about it, and I'm like, okay, it moves back, and I'm like, we're going to get you know into the spring and then eventually it's gonna hit winter and then i'm like wait it's gonna be january and then when it goes back it's gonna be december but it's gonna be december of that same year because we're moving I'm just backwards excited to finally forwards. be able to take part in the holiday festivities like everyone else and also be what is it victims to capitalism and the market we already of- are you're saying that <laughs> we're not party city had all the ramadan decorations know, which you made me go it. by i did so. not yes we did yeah well why do you think we have the one that i brought yeah i said buy me one while you're at it yeah exactly <laughs> so it's cute that we ha- we need to update it it is cute we're but- taking photos with my dad there every well we try to every day okay we yeah, fail so because currently it says ramadan no it says 17 days till eid we're in the it's last 10. 10 days i know because we it's don't true, update yeah. it well, I was I going to like finals and really... graduation. What was your excuse? <laughs> I was fasting and I work full time. Plus, I manage a podcast and many other things, as you know. Anyways, I didn't bring you on here to attack me. So <laughs> she's still like, her resume. <laughs> I feel like we get overly excited when Ramadan starts and we have all these ambitions and like this whole. Wait, side note: someone put a comment in one of my posts. Um, saying how it was the episode that I did with the young and Muslim, um, and mm-hmm. she made a comment about how I, I guess something about like I sounded unintelligent because I used like and um a lot. So I'm gonna be cautious. Well, let's talk about no. Let's talk about that. Remember how we talked about it the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About using certain words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, but I'm uh, talking about like just me saying like and um. So I actually edit that 
out but that episode i was just like you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna overwork myself and edit all these little don't bother editing out of this episode i'm gonna say like a lot but you know what i got my degree in english literature (laughs) (laughs) so So it's actually um it's like i'm pretty sure it's probably a type of code switching well maybe not code switching exactly but you know okay can you explain what code switching is sociologist sociolinguistic code switching is Basically, if you speak in a certain type of slang or dialect and you're able to kind of, at least from what I understand. So basically, code switching is where if you have a certain dialect or something or you have certain like set of slang words that you use, but you're able to, depending on what setting you're in, you're able to change between that. So for example, I know me and my friends that are also Yemeni, a lot of us are able to switch into Yemeni like slang and then also like accents too like we'll imitate like our parents accents and we're able to do that similarly um i'm trying to think i feel like with the internet now a lot of people are able to use like slang from different parts of the world so like people in the uk will use slang that's like banter southern yeah well uh, yeah and then we'll use slang from the uk like banter in it 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 sounds ugly when we say it but you know i mean yeah yeah it's yeah you know i mean arguably like Mm that yeah so um basically being able to switch between either or so a lot of people think like oh you sound unintelligent if you speak a certain way well actually if you're able to move from that to something else it means you're more intelligent because your mind is able to make that switch really fast yeah or just you know just be you're you just know more yeah if so you're like, able to de- or you're you're able to understand what they're saying yeah. you know what i mean but anyways well, go ahead oh well, no i was gonna say i'm like doing qualitative research do you think that makes you feel like be a better speaker or, or be more comfortable with like your voice especially like now that you do a podcast you obviously have to like get used to your voice and be comfortable with it but now do you but do you feel like part of doing that qualitative research because at least for me doing qualitative research because I just got out of it and I'm actually hopefully hopefully gonna extend it but doing it for like months it's helped me get used to like just speaking and listening to my own voice because I have to literally replay it oh yeah all the time I mean almost well, yeah, three years too. of doing this it's Every time I edit, there's something else that I learn about myself and things that I pick up. And it's not just that, but also listening to people and listening to podcasts. And you listen to people's like, there's like a cadence, like a tone, the way that people, like you have to have, I feel like a specific tone or rhythm. Because if you're like monotone, no one's going to want to listen to you, you know, so you have to have some kind of beat. Um, And it could be, you know, your own style. But anyways, okay, going back to the Ramadan thing, because I think this is something interesting that we can talk about. By the way, we have absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about. We're just going to talk. Oh, yeah, we don't. Oh, yeah. Because this is how it is all the time at our house. Our best conversations come from this. And then we're like, we should do a podcast, you know, episode on this. And then we don't. No, but I feel like we go into Ramadan and it's, you know, tonight, the the last 10 days. So, inshallah, we'll be going to Salat al-Qiyam tonight. But at least for me... And um, I, I guess I want to start off with a little bit about how Ramadan has been. And from my experience and what I'm seeing from speaking to my friends and just see, well, seeing people online talking about their experience is we, we really are excited for Ramadan to come, right? Because we all have something that we want to change about ourselves mm-hmm. and we feel like this is the perfect opportunity for us to finally do it. It's like a reason to do it. And sometimes we're a little overzealous and we're like really excited and ambitious and we have all these things in like the first couple days we're in it and then it like i feel like people go through a slump too you go through a slump and then you start feeling guilty because for whatever reason i think we assume that everyone else is just on a spiritual high and -hmm. we don't recognize that it, it it has its ups and downs and um one of my favorite people huda from yes i'm hot in this who i've done a previous episode with she's doing this whole series of her comics and one of and and a lot of them are just really great um social commentary pieces that that really touch on the experiences that people go through during ramadan and that's like you know okay you know you're not you're not far enough in the quran um in where you want to be or you're not spiritually there. Like some people, it's just like you just don't feel it. And I think all mm-hmm. of that stuff is okay. But the problem is, is no one ever really shares that. So people you, feel guilty then. Exactly. You feel guilty. Like I had this whole setup and I mean, I still do it, you know, pretty well. But it's not the way that I expected because real life hits you. And then when you're fasting, your 
maybe not as energetic to like write or do certain things and you just kind of lay there or you're keeping yourself busy so you're not focused on the fact that you're hungry and then when you break your fast you're just like done yeah like I remember for me um I mean yeah I think definitely a lot of people go through like that Ramadan slump where they just they like how you said they feel guilty because it's like if you think about it Ramadan is so short it's you know, your one opportunity, because you don't know if you're going to have this opportunity again. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you want to take full advantage, but then if you're just not feeling it, or if you just can't get yourself to do it, and especially because a lot of us, were tired, we can be sleep deprived, we can be, you know, dehydrated, you know what I mean? A lot of these things, like, it's hard to take care of yourself, also, and there is that self-care aspect that I feel like is being promoted with Ramallah, as it should be, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's hard to maintain, so I think a lot of people, they do feel jealous, not jealous, uh guilty yeah if they can't do that i think too for me like in the beginning i don't know something about being hungry and dehydrated and just being very weak physically made me very weak emotionally too like the first like week was just really really like taxing on me like it was i don't know if you noticed but i was just like super low energy i was just not i don't know i felt very down and mm-hmm. I think I shared something about it, like, on the podcast. I called it, like, Ramadan Blues. But I think that that's also just interesting. Something about that experience of being weak physically and, I don't know. I Like, I can't explain it. But it yeah. just, it put my emotional state on a different level. Mind you, I was also, like, pre-PMSing. So I think that also has to do something with it. But it was just, like, a really interesting time. And so I was just really keeping to myself and... Yeah, it was it was really weird. Like I don't really feel like that now, but I definitely felt it in the beginning and I was like, Whoa, this is not what I was expecting in the beginning of Ramadan. Yeah. I know for me this was my first year and oh, possibly my last of doing finals with Ramadan. Oh yeah, that must have been hard. That was that was really, really difficult. Um well yeah, so for me like the first two days of Ramadan it it ha- hasn't hit like finals yet and things were pretty like okay, like in terms of like what was going on in school so for me things were kind of calm um work was like starting to calm down because I also worked on campus and it was all good to go um so like for me I really took advantage the first few days and I remember like I really made sure to take advantage and like read Quran and like read like read a lot of Quran read a lot of like you know Islamic books just like I remember like right after Fagat I would stay for like a whole entire hour or like two because I would just stay up until like work or like yeah. school at seven and I would just stay up and then I would just like be reading and like making dry and all this stuff and I still do that but I feel like it's been definitely a lot less and for me with finals going on it was just a lot more difficult to maintain it I remember I, w- I would get like a lot of stress and anxiety over my like what was going on in terms of school in terms of like deadlines and you know, there's this one uh, exam, which I, I knew I failed. I don't know what she ended up grading me, but my final grade was a B. So, <laughs> alhamdulillah, I'm fine with that. Um, but I was literally so done at this point. I was like, as long as I pass enough to obviously, like, pass a semester, which usually I, I aim for, like, A's or maybe a B if it's, like, a really difficult class. This time I was like, if I get a C in this class, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just really stressful and then graduation too right because there's a lot of prep that goes into that yeah definitely. which by the way i really and no offense but i hate graduations i've never liked them i didn't walk in my own graduation i only walked when i did my master's because it was a smaller more intimate ceremony and because my dad wanted me to like I, i did it for my parents but they're just so long and you're literally waiting for a moment. One, one. It was not only the biggest one, but you were not where we thought you were going to be because yeah. the school switched and you walked with English and not sociology. And I wish I walked with sociology. That's one of my regrets. <laughs> I'm like, the only reason why I walked with English is because some of my closest friends are in English. But Which, she got the outstanding student for sociology and yeah. she didn't walk with that department. I know. Oh my he could have held the sign. Yeah, but I mean, Ramadan, now at the last 10 days, I feel like, the those really always feel like it feels like Ramadan because mm-hmm. you're just going to the masjid in the middle of the night and it's always more peaceful than it is for t- in Taraweeh because Taraweeh is just packed with everyone and kids and at this point at like 2-3 a.m. in the morning kids are asleep 
if they're except for the twenty seventh night. Yeah, then that's that's like where the, it's like everyone shows up. Yeah, but it's still <laughs> somewhat quiet. It's just more yeah. people. Um, but yeah, I do prefer that. Um, I feel like that's time. a good point to like also revive things. You know what I mean? Like it's a really good like when you go through that slump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This like is a the good last time where it's like okay, is like, okay I need to pick stuff up and yeah, like whoops. really be advantageous with this time because. It's, yeah. it's it's going by really fast. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, let's attack. Let's have um vegan vegan community. Let's all attack Nora There's right now. Probably none that listen to my podcast. No, wasn't it last time? Didn't you say how someone said something rude on our on our episode because we talked about veganism? What did they say? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> or they said sure. something kind of weird. It was like I think I know. I, w- I got feedback about like saying like Islamic context and stuff like that, but oh, I don't know no. if it was anything weird. But okay, so this is here's why I ate salmon that's all i ate i was wild caught salmon that i bought from sam's club because um when i went to the middle east a few months ago or actually like half a year ago um i wasn't eating properly and if i don't eat properly and i don't eat enough protein i have hair loss issues and so i've been seeing a specialist a doctor for those issues for about a year and she's been very incredible. I'm actually thinking of bringing her on a podcast and like discussing kind of what my treatment was like and how um I got my results and cuz she specifically focuses obviously like on the individual but she has a lot of hijabi clients and they mm-hmm. come from like the Middle East and stuff. She's based off in LA. Um and obviously she can't like unless you can go to her, which I go to her weekly every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you can't get her services. And it's pretty incredible what she does, and a lot of it is very holistic. And um, anyways, so she's been on my case since the first day I went there because she did, like, this full exam, and she basically told me being a vegan is great and healthy, but hair is made of protein, and you're going to need to eat more protein than, like, the normal person. So I thought I could supplement it with plant-based protein, and although I was doing an okay job at it, um, it wasn't until I went to the Middle East, and just with the change of the environment, I was losing a lot of hair. Mm -hmm. Um, stress related, my scalp was inflamed and then just my food was really bad. Like there wasn't a lot of food options for me, especially like for lunch and dinner. And so that all had some type of effect on it. And so when I came back, um, I was really unhappy with that experience. And so I, well, anyways, I, I, I made that choice to eat eggs when I was there because it was the only option that I had in terms of upping my protein intake and I was not going to eat any type of animal I didn't want to at that point yeah I can never honestly go back to uh, fish I can see eggs I can see I can't see dairy that just no oh dairy is disgusting no. to me and, and I, I love almond like milk beef and oat milk or beef no because I love is, cows beef is gross Sorry, like no, I, I'm, yeah. I have no, no yeah. appetite for any other meat. Um, like halas, like, it's just go or like. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I never really liked that stuff from before. Anyway, it was mainly chicken and fish, but so that helped actually a lot. And my treatment did even better than it was before I traveled. And then um, I realized, okay, well, I'm not going to keep eating eggs all the time because there's only so much eggs that you can eat. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so I'll take the next step. And the next step was. Um, fish and it was going to either be like shellfish or salmon and I've always loved salmon so I mean I've only had it once since I bought it and I bought it in the beginning of Ramadan but it was interesting because the day that I made it I feel like my parents were so happy and they were like looking at me as I'm sitting there like about to start eating it like they couldn't believe I was actually gonna have fish because they think it's the strangest thing that you and I don't eat meat and haven't for three years but yeah, I mean, I'm happy with the decision. I've had great results with my uh, my hair. I think hijabis in general suffer from different types of hair issues, and it's something that I've had a lot of conversations about on my podcast page. Yeah. Because I've put it up before, and a lot of girls were saying how hijab has either messed up like their texture, or it's caused them hair lice or hair lice, <laughs> hair loss. Whoa, Not hair lice. <laughs> Actually, it probably prevents hair lice. Yeah, it probably prevents it. Um, and then just also like a receding hairline because those caps that you wear under the yeah. hijab are really not good for you. But see, okay, here's the other th- issue. Hannah. Oh, well, okay, I stopped wearing them. Here's the thing. Now I only wear them when I wear chiffon hijabs. Because you kind of need yeah, it. Yeah, I, I need it. But if I'm not wearing, like if I'm wearing those crinkle or cotton hijabs, I stopped wearing them. But the issue is though is that your hijab keeps slipping off sometimes. And like I'll tuck it in and like I'll fix it. But sometimes I don't. So... 
I'm just putting this out there. It's it's a struggle just in general. Cover your hair. Yeah, and then you know everyone's like you have a hair showing, and like that's fine if like you point it out like kindly, but then there's some people where they're just like, don't You're- be one of those girls, and I'm just like, yeah. Well, yeah. so it's funny because. One of my friends um, on Instagram, she just mentioned about, there was like a picture she posted of herself and her hijab was like lopsided. And she said, I still don't know how to keep it like stay put. She was like asking for advice if any girls like have any recommendations. And mm-hmm. I messaged her and I said, you know, when I hairspray my hair down, when I brush it back, like it'll still slide around, but it doesn't give you that like push of the hairs where they start coming out of the side of your head, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it starts feeling really uncomfortable as well when it starts, your hair starts shifting, especially if you have really soft hair, like my hair is really soft and it does that and it's so annoying. So I hairspray, but the only thing is is you have to wash your hair then every night, which I know most people say that they don't do that because they think it's not as good. But my doctor actually recommended that I wash my hair every night. I wash my hair every single night. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you see my hair, my hair has become incredibly soft and healthy um yeah because i have to cleanse my scalp because my i have such a sensitive scalp so i i wash my hair every day i mean how to like just think about how non-hijabis do it because i'm pretty sure a lot of them it looks like they style their hair every day you know what i mean like well i think it's more for convenience and so that it doesn't dry out their hair especially if it's treated hair if you have treated hair it's going to be dry so if you wash it all the time you lose those natural oils that are making your hair soft but i think that if you're are eating healthy and you're not doing a lot to your hair in terms of heat and color and chemicals, then you don't need to wash your hair every day. I mean, you wouldn't need to skip days to wash your hair because it would never be dry. Well, that's you could the thing, but with hairspray, you put it on. That's already chemicals. You know what I mean? Like, when I, whenever I put on hairspray, I'm like, ooh, I really need to wash my hair, like, well, instantly. by chemicals, I mean, like, dyeing. Stuff that, like, fries your hair. Hairspray is a chemical, yes, but you wash it off and it's gone. But when you, like, if you strip your hair or you bleach it, like, that's damaging to your hair. Well, you yeah, but even for girls you... who don't, like, I still feel like they don't. And also it depends, too, because, like, a lot of this we're basing it off of, like, it depends on who we're basing it off of, you know, what type, what type of hair they have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... I feel like I'm I'm instantly thinking of, like, YouTubers that I watch that are, like, white and they might have, like, blonde hair. Or, you know what I mean? They just have hair that's, like, that's not the but same see, as ours. But also, like, it, it's going to be very relative to their their hair type. Yeah, that's so what I'm right. saying. No, I know. But, for example, it's the same thing, like, with skin. There's a lot of girls who can, like, sleep with makeup on or, like, oh, barely do anything to their face. And their face never really gets... Like they don't, they're not acne prone. They don't, they don't have sensitive skin. And there's girls that like, if they just wear makeup for like an hour, they're already breaking out or they get texture on their skin. And so those girls, yeah, are going to do more to their face and take care of it and more maintenance, which is kind of, I guess, my situation with my, my scalp and not necessarily my hair. It's my scalp. Um, and that's another thing too, is I think we focus on hair care and not scalp care. And there's a difference between the two. That's mm-hmm. something I, I was, um, became more aware of but anyways yeah and- i need to work on mine more too honestly i mean in terms of like i'm trying not to with the cap because at first like i remember you recommended it to me a while ago and i was like no i have to have the cap like it feels so uncomfortable and you know what? i didn't like i didn't I was like the how the exact same way but and now i can't wear it yeah no now for me i'm like you know what? like me. i mean i can do either headaches. or but it's just yeah no i prefer like if it's chiffon I, i'll have to obviously and i have been wearing a lot of chiffon recently but like if it's uh, crinkle hijab I think for me just out of like laziness I'm like I'll yeah. just be like let me put it on real quick and then I want to talk about um this just kind of came to mind because I thought what would be something that would be interesting that we could talk about that maybe could be relatable to other people and that's sibling relationships in terms of like two sisters especially because we are the youngest in the family we are seven years apart and we mm-hmm. live together, obviously, the longest than everyone else because we still live together. It is not easy to maintain a relationship with a sibling. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
Why are you laughing? No, I'm being serious. No, I'm I think like, that she's the relationship. Me no, right now. no, the relationship that you and I have I'm on like, her podcast. I brought her here so I could lay it down. I have uh, my grievances with you. Give me my blazer black back. <laughs> my black blazer back. No, um, she doesn't. Do you have my blazer? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, I'm. No, you I have was, my. <laughs> you have my jacket for a while though. Anyways, <laughs> I think that. Part of, and our relationship is not perfect by any means. I think once in a while we'll argue and be annoyed by each other. But I think that we've come such a long way over the years. And I think well, it's I mean, because yeah, we have to put being effort. kids to being adults. Kids, teens, kids, adults. Kids, as in when I was out with my friends or on dance floors and I would randomly appear and scare the <laughs> shit out of me. Because I would be dancing and I would just look and I'd see this curly haired girl like just standing there. And I'm like, Hannah, what are you doing? Like. Go with the little kids. And she'd be like, no. She was attached. You were attached yeah, to me. Yeah, I remember, remember I remember, like, I would have, like, like your friends, younger sisters that would also be my friends. But, like, if I, I would not go up to them, like. Yeah, you were so attached to me. And it was just so awkward because I literally didn't even have to take care of you. I just knew you were going to be there. <laughs> I'd go sit. Like, we'd get grab cake or something. And then I, next thing you know, I just know she's standing right there next to my chair. <laughs> it was so cute, though. And then I think we had the hardest time when you were in high school. Yeah, I guess I can see that, yeah. I think that's because that's when you started gaining more independence and, like, were, were more pushing are just back. Hard. They are hard. And I was, like, I think what was hard for me was I was still, like, a young adult. But yeah, I had to take on this large responsibility of kind of raising you because at that point, no one was left at home. Mm-hmm. It was just me. And, you know, my parents are immigrants and they're amazing parents, but they can't, they couldn't help you, you know, just certain with your things, academics like, yeah. and also like things that you were dealing with at school and just, you were going through a lot when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take part in that and I had to... I was taking you to, like, all your doctor's appointments and, like, just everything. And it, I think it... Oh, yeah, because I was anemic at that time. And yeah. that's... And also and that affected that my mood. Yeah. Like, I remember because you kept talking to me and you were like, are you being bullied? It and wasn't I was even like, no. just... No, it wasn't just even anemic. It was... There was something. I don't remember what it's called, but remember you had I to, had like, strep throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that <laughs> was... That, I remember that. No. Dude, chill. Strep throat is, like, something that comes and goes, but you had that, like, specific type of anemia. We oh, were going did to I? a blood specialist. Yes, remember that doctor would come from LA. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. See, what even mom sister is here? It, I remember. It was just like it was. They just gave me regular iron pills, so I don't know. I thought that it was just regular. Yeah, you also had to see a dietitian, and you had to go to the CBCC center, which was a <laughs> a cancer center regularly. It was a cancer, so it was like really weird. And I would have to take you to those appointments. Oh yeah, I remember being 18 having to carry a note with me all the time that was from my parents saying that they gave me permission to take you to the these appointments and that i was able to like sit in with you because they never were able to attend or take you it's probably called hipaa (laughs) no i learned it because i had a co-worker she's a nurse now but but. anyways uh yeah it, it took a lot it was a lot on me like i had to grow up really fast at that time but my personality has always been very responsible i guess you could say so it it wasn't hard i mean it was hard but what was hard is like how do you convince someone who's not your kid who's growing up and becoming independent to open up and be okay with someone being so much in their space you know yeah because at the end of the day i was your sibling i wasn't your mom i was well i think you also had to learn like to give me space too because i remember there were times where we would argue and yeah i remember i would literally be like i'm leaving like i would just go to my room (laughs) and i'd be like no i'm not having this conversation right now and then you would like come in communication hannah we need to talk about this (laughs) and i just like not not today and then you know and And those were bad yeah now it's better though because like that was no but yeah no i realized that that was bad on my part the thing is i think with anyone like it, it kind of almost reminds me of like a marriage where when you start living with someone you start seeing how they handle let's say confrontation or arguments or a stressful situation mm-hmm. or conversation sometimes one person needs to take a break even if the other person still wants to talk about it you have to give the other person a break and let them and like give them that time you know mm-hmm. and uh that's something that we had to learn and i feel like we communicate better now when we do disagree on things we and sometimes it's like really stupid things but when we do disagree upon it 
it like lasts for that moment and then it goes away mm-hmm. because I think I understand like and you understand what we have to do to, to basically get over it and like we pick our fights and we don't mm-hmm. we don't let every little thing bother us yeah I think another big big thing with like sibling fights or whatever is not to get other people involved that's like true. that's we one never, thing yeah that's not my, the my dad involved. is always thinks he's always like you guys never fight you guys yeah, are good. Like, I'm like, you just don't see it. Yeah, no. Because I think, you know, and one, I feel like that's, you know, when you're fighting with your sibling, it's like it's you versus them, like, battling. You know what I mean? Like, when mm-hmm. we're fighting, it's me and you, like, battling it out. Yeah. When one <laughs> of us, you know what I mean? But, like, when one of us bring in either one of our parents all, or another sibling. Yeah, and don't bring my mom into it. She is, like, trying to keep the peace, but... She, <laughs> does, doesn't. she doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> no. She starts yelling at me because... <laughs> She'll yell at crier. No, 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 no. <laughs> because I'm not one to cry, per se. Okay, here's the thing, though. And I Hannah's- cry, but I'm like, no, just keep going. Keep yeah, going. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let's keep no, it going. I- the thing is, is... I've gotten used to seeing you cry and, and keeping it going. Yeah. Which I always tell you, like, this sucks because you start crying. You make everyone feel like shit. Because, like, halas, you win, you win the argument because you start crying and it's sad. But when no, my mom sees win the that, argument, my mom my does words. not like seeing, you know, us cry. So she immediately will just, she'll, like, attack me because she'll be like, what did you do to make her cry? I'm like, nothing. Like, yeah. I'm just expressing my feelings. And sometimes it's because you feel bad about something. And then, sometimes it's just like I don't know how to express myself, and yeah. for me that's really frustrating when it's yeah. like I don't have the ability to. So for me, I don't know. I think like I know I am. I know like some of our siblings, like some of us are just more likely to cry than other. Like that's just I feel like how we are. Yeah. And that's the other thing about siblings. I always wonder like how that is determined because they always say like the baby is the one that's like the most sensitive. I think that's true. Yeah. I think part are. of it is because of the way that like and the middle we're children are like the most resilient because they've just had to like. Yeah, figure things out. I'm not necessarily the middle child in in terms of where I land in the sequence of like how we were born, but mm-hmm. I think I'm the middle child in the sense of like everyone is either like everyone older than me is has been married for many years, has kids, like they all share a commonality in that. And then there's you who is like young and still in college or in high school, and then there was me like in the middle, like in her mid twenties not married, done with school. But I always felt like I was, I don't know, I always yeah. felt like I was I kind mean, of in the middle. Well, yeah, because, like, you, again, like how you said, you had, you had to, you had a sibling who was the baby. Like, I feel like, like, hypothetically, if I didn't exist, or <laughs> it's like, you know, meta, you, you got really excited. <laughs> no, I was just no. thinking about how much I, I wish but for a, things a, a younger sibling. And I remember, I'm trying to think of how, nice my life would be right now if I was an only child I would feel like an only child basically. yeah you would right or I would like imagine if I was like a boy and like you had Girl, a brother if instead. you were a boy we'd be traveling the world we would I, I would not be, be like, here no. right now yeah that would like I got my younger better. brother <laughs> peace out <laughs> damn it Hannah well I don't know they you know some a lot of people think that but then I've talked to girls where they have younger brothers and then they'll say you know my younger brother you doesn't want to go anywhere chromosome you couldn't grab that y chromosome just on my way out <laughs> yes you could have um that's not how biology works <laughs> you know i didn't study any hard sciences um but natural sciences don't say hard sciences because what behavioral science is not a soft science yeah no it's not a, it's a net it's a behavioral science or social science but then natural sciences like natural why isn't behavioral natural we're by nurture <laughs> Okay, she got a degree now, so she's smarter than me, flexing her knowledge. Um, But no, at the same time, too, I think you just have to be realistic of how things are. But I think the older you get, the more relaxed I am because I'm just like, you have your own life and you're going to be making your own decisions. As soon as I I turned 18, I think a lot of things got easier for us because part of it was because I like the fact that you would kind of just tell me you're an adult now. Like, I can tell when you disapprove of things. But you would just be like, you're an adult now. And obviously, you know, it wouldn't be like big things. Okay, so we just took a little break. How little was it? A few days. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're back. Um, So I want to do this segment. I want to call it maybe Twitter Talks. But Ooh, one like thing. That. Thanks. Um, Put a lot of thought into it. A few days. <laughs> a few days thoughts into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I just feel like Twitter has great content mm-hmm. Um, for different 
types of yeah. things like whether a lot it's of frustrating and, content too yeah so there's controversial things obviously there's like political things there's funny things i feel like twitter is a very funny place as well mm-hmm. so i thought what we could do since you and i always dm each other tweets anyway is um i'd invite you to like maybe share a tweet or i could share a tweet and then we can talk about it yes so uh, do you have something you want to or do you want me to go first yes actually i'm just thought of another one that i saw but that's a whole other talk other topic and we i saw a time, whole debate so. about like mad prices oh god that, that one good, knows, that's a good one though that is um that could be just a whole topic on its own but um this one that i saw do i name the person i'm just gonna name the person yeah you can it's add. called stolen person um his at is queer socialism and this was the tweet it was correcting a non-white person's spelling or grammar is waste racist I almost said racist. Okay, so uh, correcting a non-white person's spelling or grammar is racist. Jot that down. And so, what is the reaction people are getting? So, I mean, it has a pretty significant amount of likes, but this person, I think, has, yeah, they have, like, 24.8K followers. Um, but a lot of the comments, like, a lot of them are hidden and stuff like that. But it's about, like, questions. Oh, I just see even more comments. But a lot of it was, like, backlash. I saw, I actually saw it from... People disagreed. Yeah, I saw it from someone else who retweeted it where they were just like, this is, like, so dumb and stuff like that. So what's your opinion on it? Um, I think it depends in the context. I guess that's everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the way that I interpreted this was, like, in terms of, like, um, dialects and, like, what is it, like, vernacular systems. Basically, like, I don't know, like, if you think about the way that certain people talk and depending on where they're from or something like that like I think if you write that out that way like it's fine and if anything it's more correct like than y'all or ain't. yeah like those were never technically words but now they've kind of become words yeah and like I'm pretty sure like you know there are just some things where it's like if you write it down like on Microsoft Word you know everything goes off where it's like this is wrong mm-hmm. but you kind of just ignore it anyway and you keep on writing because you know and whoever your intended reader is they know what you're trying to say mm-hmm. and most people probably wouldn't even know that it's not grammatically correct what do you mean like there's certain things that word tells you it's not grammatically correct but if you were to read it without the indication that there's like a squiggly line under it oh or whatever, yeah you would just assume it was fine yeah definitely so i think there's that but then and then there's some i think i think some universal type of things like like y'all i think pretty much everyone now is kind of saying it Mm -hmm. or even if they're not saying it they're familiar with it they know what it means but is it grammatically Um, correct when it's y apostrophe al because it was it's like you all condensed maybe it is i don't know you know i just took like a linguistics class and i don't remember we talked about it but but like i know i mean i guess we'll have to type it out to see but for me i guess what i was thinking when they met when this person met non what was it non-white basically like like people of color um spelling like correcting their grammar for me i thought of it in a way where it's like i don't know i guess where someone says something under certain slang or under certain you know community and it's like when you say it or pronounce it that way so basically like if you're an uncultured swine then (laughs) what (laughs) you've never heard that i i've heard of that phrase yeah well basically saying if you can't if you're if you're correcting people because you don't understand like their like cultural jargon or like the way that they say things or maybe yeah. they have an accent but i i i i lean more towards i think you see that how people you see it in a certain type of context but i think that's such a small percentage and such a what do you mean small percentage well again you're the one who studied this stuff so maybe i don't know but when i read that i i kind of more lean on towards the like yeah uh, it's kind of stupid to say that mm-hmm. correcting someone's grammar is because English language at the end of the day has grammar. So if you're correcting it based off of the English language that we predominantly use, then they're just correcting the grammar. First of all, correcting people's grammar is annoying in general. It doesn't matter what color you yeah, are. Yeah, I do think it's annoying Obviously. In but I'm saying, like, to call it racist, I think that's just, like, a kind of blanket statement. Well, see, okay, well, that's the other thing. The reason why I agree with it to an extent is because... I guess, like, I, when I took a sociolinguistics class, this is probably so boring to people. Oh, my just God, I'm going. just realizing that now. <laughs> anyway, when I took a sociolinguistics class, for me, it was very interesting because we learned about different societies and different dialects and how, like, different communities, you know, speak a certain way. 
um like we were just talking about you know how like my mom and her mom have like different dialects yeah because they grew up in different areas yeah so um you know pretty much with every language that's how it is and for me the way that I took it was that um so what we learned in that class is that you know you might grow up with a certain dialect that's not the standard English dialect um so you know either like a heavy southern accent or I don't know, like a heavy New York accent or something. And then if you go somewhere where everyone else speaks the standard dialect and you're trying to like get a job or something, they say if you interview and you're not professional in that sense, that can hinder you or things like, I mean, not just interview. I feel like that's very, and I guess it depends. Like I think wording, obviously you Mm -hmm. can't say certain words, obviously when you're in an interview, but I think the way that you say it, I think like there's been studies showing that like people are discriminated by their language well, so like, I, I work that's... in agriculture, and so there, I think that sometimes there could be a stigma towards people who have, like, a country twang that they're, like, uneducated, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, which is not the case, because that that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Or at least, in you know, whether they're educated or not in terms of, like, having a diploma, but a lot of them have the work experience and, like, the knowledge of the industry or whatever area that they're, um, or field that they're in. But people do assume that that is, that you're somehow like kind of like a you know that you're just uneducated yeah or sometimes i feel like people who like uh like maybe english isn't their first language and that goes into something else so but I you know what i mean like racist thing. i think maybe you're discriminating against someone if they're an immigrant or like because you yeah. can discriminate discriminate <laughs> you can discriminate it <laughs> i can't say the word discriminate <laughs> oh sorry I'm, I'm tired you can discriminate against someone who's white who has you know like a southern um twang who's very country, so I think you can discriminate against anyone. But I think it's just... I well, I think th- it can hit racism on certain points. Like, it, depending on the context. I'm not saying it doesn't. That's what I'm, saying I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't. It does. But I think to say such a blanket statement, like, don't correct uh, non-whites grammar because it's racist, like, that's like saying, like, no, like that's telling people you cannot correct... A, if anything, there's a lot of brown people or people of color that are probably learning the language, so maybe they want their grammar to be corrected, or maybe they Well, yeah, maybe in a school setting, like, if you're learning standard Can english you but i think if you're grammar verbally i thought grammar was just in writing is that does it even exist in verbiage to me grammar is like I, writing i'm pretty sure it does i'm pretty sure but honestly i don't know That's i've never heard anyone say like your verbal I feel like grammar with, I f- well i feel like when you speak though that's sometimes it's so fast and it's i don't know i feel like but you know when when you're face to face with them or when you're speaking like I feel like you're less likely to correct them or maybe you're less likely to notice it whoops to notice it but for me like I feel like when it's written it's so easy because sometimes like you can read it over and over again and it's like well because it's also a lot more not to say detailed but we know exactly what like you're more likely to spot a comma missing in a sentence than a like someone not taking the proper pause at a certain point of a sentence to you know you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a comma is supposed to create a pause, but sometimes you might not have that pause when you're speaking. Or maybe you do because it's natural. I don't know. Yeah. But interesting. I don't know. For me, I don't know. I thought that. I don't, I understand like the whole, I think a lot of people misinterpreted it, but I guess for me. No, it's an interesting I perspective. Was, I would have never thought of it in that perspective. Yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, just in terms of like, again, I what I went to when I thought of it was like, um, like the african-american vernacular system so like kind of and i learned about that like instead of saying like um he he is happy sometimes people say like he be happy and those are two different things so like that or um again like just when you're speaking with so in an educational setting you would be able to correct that if the educational purpose was language-based if it was like let's say writing a paper then yes, I think that's fine. But I think what if about it's in terms based? of communication based, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Even actually, when writing a paper, it depends on what paper you write. Because there are some where, again, that that's completely fine. I think the way that it depends on what context. You know what I mean? When you're writing a paper and when you're saying something mm. in a certain way. It's interesting. You disagree? No, come on. It's I'm not like, that I, <laughs> it's not that I disagree. I don't think I have enough knowledge to speak on it but just from my understanding like just we've always you know we're taught a certain way to speak and to write according to like what the English literature guidelines and rules are and and I feel like when you sit there and you let like to me I if I was in a teacher in a classroom 
which I'm not and I don't have credentials or anything, but if a student said that, I would say, no, the proper way of saying it is he is happy, not he be happy. Well, that's the other thing, though. Like, well, again, it depends on what context they're trying to. If they're saying it, if they're writing it, I would just No, tell no, them. not that. I mean context is in, like, what they're trying to, like, what are they trying to, what message are they trying to convey? What's a different message that they would convey other than someone's happy? So he is happy is, like, you're just happy at the moment. He be happy is like a state of being. That's that's what my professor she taught me the difference. Mm. She was like, that's the two differences. No, that's interesting. I'm so like you know what I mean. So it's different. You know what I mean. Like and if if you I've heard of that before. Like I mean, not necessarily he be happy, but like you know the the be part. Mm-hmm. And like you hear that, and like when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense when you think about it's it. Kind of like when they say like I be humble, like yeah. I be grinding, I be you know like yeah, it's like a state of you know what I mean like I being. guess like a. Like, a certain phase, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've always been interested in linguistics, but not... I feel like you're focused on English language and the different nuances and dialects and all that stuff, Um, whereas I'm more interested in how words translate over between languages. So, like, obviously I'm fluent in Arabic, English, and then I'm pretty good at Spanish. And so I see the similarities in which Arabic and Spanish... um, the similarities Arabic and Spanish has, um, even in terms of, like, the way that we align, like, our adjectives and mm-hmm. our nouns and our verbs and stuff like that, and it's very different than English, but just understanding, like, why certain parts of the world, you know, have an adjective before their noun or vice versa, and mm-hmm. um, just the way that we can say a sentence, and in Arabic it could be, like, in one word, it encompasses what the sentence is in mm-hmm. English or something. That's always interested me, and I actually wanted to study linguistics when I was at, um, at school. But the department was so small, so I knew I wasn't going to get much out of it. But I wanted to because I always, like, in my mind, I always broke apart, like, the, how my mind balances between the two and understands, yet they're they're very different. Like, the structure, um, mm-hmm. obviously not very different, but the structure has um, differences. And then when I obviously became more proficient or, like, better at Spanish, and then seeing the similarities, still the differences between Arabic, but then the similarities between the two and stuff like that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so me, for me, I feel like it's because I don't, I'm not as confident. Like, I, I feel like I'm very confident, alhamdulillah, with the English language, but I feel like with the Arabic, I always feel like I can improve on. With Spanish, I learned it, but then I completely forgot it, so you have to use I it. can't even, what do you mean? Like, if you don't use the language, you're not going to keep yeah, it. Yeah, you do. So for me, I feel like with Adabi, I've been able to retain a certain amount just through, like, my religion and through, like, my family, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, like being raised in a community, yeah. But other than that, I feel like, I like, I don't feel the same level of confidence that I do with English. I, mm-hmm. I As much as I'm really good at Arabic, I think what mixes me up is all the dialects and the versions of Arabic that I'm exposed to. Oh, yeah. And it makes it very complicated in my brain to figure out how I'm which words I'm gonna say because it's it sounds really silly when you jump from like my Yemeni dialect to another Yemeni dialect to a Khaliji dialect to you know a Shami like Palestini dialect that Mm -hmm. I pick up from like my brother-in-law my my nieces and my sister now who predominantly has like a weird dialect as well too but it's just there's so many so like I want to do an episode I was I'm planning inshallah on recording it um with someone who is Saudi Arabian and um I think she predominantly speaks Arabic, although she's she's fluent in English. But I know she's going to speak Arabic because I, I notice in everything that I see her speak on, she's she mixes, you know, she brings both languages in. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it, I feel like I immediately do that too, um, subconsciously, just switch between the languages. But then I'm like, I don't want to hear my voice when I speak Arabic because I'm so much more confident in English than I am in Arabic. And I wish that... Like my dream is to go live in an Arab country for a while just so that I can practice my Arabic and be more because like I can I mean obviously I'm very fluent and I can get by and I'm fluent at writing and everything but I want to be consistent with my wording like I want it to be as close to fusha or as close to like a general dialect that most people can understand and not so like yeah Yemeni. if i could i would actually love to get like an adabi degree like in air like the arabic language kind of like how we did with english where it focuses a lot on like, so, like the language I, and literature so i studied the arabic language pretty much my whole life since i was young in adabi school and then all the years i was in yemen and when i came back up until i was in college i studied the arabic language and i studied specifically um 
tajweed which is like the way that you read the quran and there's mm-hmm. like a lot of rules into it and like i still now when i read it's like embedded in me like you once you learn it you almost can't read the quran the same way mm-hmm. so like there's certain um ways that you have to enunciate mm-hmm. um words so certain letters so you learn about the origin now we're getting into like the arabic linguistics part but you learn about the origin of the letter where it comes from and so some of them they start at the tip of your or i guess your, your lips and then the tip of your tongue all the way down to your throat and then mm. we have uh yeah i remember isn't there like a chart i could have sworn i remember yeah. yeah and then i think they're called um damn i might butcher this but it's like you know something? what actually in my linguistics class i think there was a similar chart where or the, at least there was a way where we learned different letters that like or we learned sounds because i guess like there's this international like set of letters and it's like it's pretty much it can be applied to any language but it's every single sound that a human can like make and there are some where it like nobody could pronounce in English, but then, like, as she would pronounce it, I'm like, wait, I'm like, that sounds like an Arabic letter, and I'll be like, wait, and then there's somewhere it was, like, obviously, you know, something that could be pronounced in Spanish, but not Arabic or English, or... Yeah, no, but it's interesting, and then, you know, the way that the words mix, and so, for example, we have, like, in the English language, like, S and H, you know, together, that makes sh, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, it would be similar, it's similar, but not at the same time it's just how you and it's between words it's how you would blend the last um letter that would have like for example there's a so there's a silent noon and so you have to figure out how that blends in with the next letter if that makes sense mm-hmm. okay so uh since i'm obsessed with twitter and so are you and probably everyone else i think what i want to do is set up some type of like Twitter talk Twitter episodes. talks. Twitter One. talks. Damn, I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> That's going to be in the background. No, <laughs> like a chat um, instead of your usual like music intro. In the beginning. Yeah. Um, don't make me. I will use it. Uh, uh, please don't. <laughs> the, I think it would be interesting because there's so many. To me, Twitter is just open. It opens topics and people are just. They're just. It's just a different type of vibe there. So I think it'd be interesting if we did once a week since we are um, neighbors. Our rooms are right next door to each other. And roommates. then we'll just have discussion. We're not roommates. Oh, roommates. What I said roommates. Oh, no. Roommates too. I mean, we're not twins. We share the same womb though. Anyways. Okay. Okay. Do I sign off? Goodbye. Do I say goodbye? Oh, you want to do the, Yeah, you can do the ending. You can tell them where to find me and all that stuff. You can find Noor at This Muslim Girl Podcast on Instagram, Twitter. You have Facebook? I do, but I'm not active because I don't have my personal Facebook. Okay, then yeah. So I guess not her Facebook page. Um, do you? What's your website or blog? This Muslim Girl. This Muslim Girl. Which I don't really update either. She does not Let's update that either. Twitter and okay, Instagram. Twitter and Instagram, This Muslim Girl Podcast. Um, should I plug myself? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> okay, don't follow her. <laughs> no. Okay, Thank you. Uh, I'm the only one who likes her, her tweets, so. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ow.